It's Friday night, and that means it's time for the Bresbet Racing Show. We've got it all. Top jockeys. Top trainers. Top tipsters. And top personalities from the world of racing. So make sure you join us every Friday night at 7 o'clock here on Three Valleys Radio for the Bresbet Racing Show. Oh, good evening everybody, it's Adi here. Welcome to the Bresbet Racing Show here on Three Valleys Radio. What have we got tonight? Well, we've got the news as usual and the fixtures. We've got part four of the Harry Finlay interview. We've got Richard Pittman, a former BBC commentator. We've got Gavin Sheehan. We've got Jamie Snowden, Nick Schofield, Colin Brown, Dave Wilson and Gary Wiltshire. And I'm sure there'll be a few other things slotted in there as we go along. So welcome to the show. I hope you're going to enjoy it. Let's start off with our news section. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News, which includes all the news from the racing media, which includes racing television, racing post and the sporting life. I'm Mike Padden and here's our first story this week. Paul Nichols's confidence in Layla for Saturday's Racing Post Gold Cup seems to be increasing and any rain would fuel that feeling further. The Grade 3 Handicap Chase, sponsored for the first time this year by the Racing Post, headlines Cheltenham's international meeting next week, and Nichols has won it a record five times, with Pokaline in 2009-2010, Unionist 2012, and Frodon both in 2016 and 2018. He has five entries this time round, but his main hopes rest with Layla, who shaped encouragingly when third on his first run for the 12-time champion trainer in November's Paddy Power Gold Cup. That took place on Cheltenham's old course, and the Racing Post Gold Cup will be staged on the new course, which puts more of an emphasis on stamina. Layla runs, Nichols said on Saturday. He worked this morning and is in good shape. He's all set to go. He was ready for the Paddy Power, but I suspect he hadn't had a race for a while and had struggled with his breathing. He almost had half a blow going into the second last and then stayed on strongly up the hill. I think the stiffer track on Saturday and the possibility of slower ground would be massive pluses for him. Formerly trained by Kayleigh Woolacott, Layla right at the front of the betting for the race at a general 7-1, to one, was switched to Nichols's powerful Somerset operation over the summer by owner David Stadden, and also underwent surgery to help with his breathing. Sometimes it's a case that if a horse has been struggling with their breathing, they get to a point and think something might hurt because they've been choking, added Nichols, whose treble at Sandown on Saturday included the Tingle Creek. They then have that confidence they can go through with it, and you can almost say that happened to him in the Paddy Power the other day, because once he took a breath between the last two, he really stayed on strongly. As much as anything, he's an older horse, a big, heavy type, and if you had a top footballer coming back after a layoff, no one would expect them to play 90 minutes first time out. 
You gradually build them up, whereas with these horses, we all expect them to play 90 minutes first time. Some are always going to improve, and I think he's one of them that, whatever I did, I was never going to get him as fit as he might be this weekend. That race has done him good, confidence-wise and fitness-wise, and I'm hopeful of a nice run on Saturday, Nichols added. And on to our next story here on the Racing News. Bryony Frost ended the worst possible week in the best way imaginable when springing a surprise aboard Greenatine in the Betfair Tingle Creek chase. The jockey was visibly relieved to be back in her, quote, most blissful place after giving emotional evidence at a hearing brought by the BHA against Robbie Dunn, who is accused of threatening an abusive behaviour towards Frost. With that weight temporarily dropped from her shoulders, she entered the winner's enclosure, grinning from ear to ear, and threw both arms in the air as she was serenaded with three cheers by a sellout and supportive crowd. It's huge to hear the support from everybody here. They appreciate me, and it's the best life being able to ride horses as my job, said the jockey. It is easy to see why when you are able to ride horses like Greenatine. The seven-year-old was a relative outsider and faced a huge task taking on leading champion chase contenders Chacoon, Poursoir and Nube Negra. However, he cruised into contention under Frost and, after a massive jump at the last, powered five and a half lengths clear of his stablemate Hitman. In the end, it was comfortable, unless you were the jockey sitting on top. He jumped the last well, but it felt like a long way up the hill, said Frost, still red in the face following a typically fast and furious race. We had a lovely start, and I was able to settle him and move to the pace. The team knew he was 100%, and he just galloped for all he was worth. Paul Nichols certainly knew Greener Team would be at its best. When asked for the secret to winning a record-extending 12th Tingle Creek, the trainer said it was really as simple as having good horses and thought-out plans. Of course, there is a little bit more to it than that, but the Tingle Creek had been the aim for the winner since he claimed another notable scalp when beating Altior in the celebration chase at Sandown's season finale in April. This represented a big step forward for the progressive chaser, who was fourth in the Holden Gold Cup on his seasonal reappearance at Exeter, a performance that may explain why he was sent off at big odds of 12 to 1. Nichols said he had his first run at Exeter to take the freshness off him, and he was never going to win that day carrying top weight. That was a prep run, and his improvement since then has been tremendous. When he went by the winning post on the first circuit, I knew he was going to be right there at the finish as he dropped the bridle and was more relaxed. I thought the ground was going to be soft enough for Nube Negra and Chacon Poursoir didn't have too many excuses in the champion chase. This is a young horse on a big upward curve and he won very impressively. It was an impressive performance and a welcome one too. It has been a challenging week for the yard with the ongoing BHA case involving Frost, and Nichols said, It's been difficult, but she handled it well. Nobody wants to be in that position, but to come back here and win a grade one is just testament to Bryony and her professionalism. Full marks to her. This week has not been without tribulations for Nichols himself, having spent the last ten days in isolation after testing positive for COVID-19. The trainer said, I've just been frustrated. Imagine me being stuck indoors for ten days. 
Nichols said he now has faith in Greenatine, and so do the bookmakers, as he was cut from six to one from twelve to one for the Betway Queen Mother Champion Chase, in which he finished fourth last season behind Put the Kettle on. He's definitely a Cheltenham horse," said Nichols. "We had no belief in him last season, and we thought Politolog was our number one. He was only beaten two lengths, and now we've got belief in his staying ability." Greenatine finished behind Chacon Pourcoix in March, but the five-time Grade One winner failed to make an impression after blundering at the first of the railway fences, and his bid for a first success on British soil continues. It felt like he might be feeling something," said jockey Patrick Mullins. He didn't fire, but he pulled up perfectly sound. So maybe I'm just imagining it. He didn't jump like he can, and I was surprised he didn't attack the fences. And on to our next story here on the racing news. Bryony Frost told Robbie Dunn that quote, "People must like me." After he confronted her at Fontwell about an alleged phone call in which an unnamed individual threatened to break his legs, Dunn told BHA investigators he received a call four days after they argued at Southwell from an unknown party claiming they would physically harm him if he did not alter his behaviour towards Frost. A disciplinary panel was told on Wednesday. Reading from Frost's witness statement, Roderick Moore, representing Dunn, said. When challenged, Frost had jokingly said, "I don't know anything about that, but people must like me." Asked to explain her response, Frost said, "It was a stupid reply. Dunn came up to me as I was walking into the changing facility. He stepped up to me and I stopped. He smelled of cigarettes and accused me of ordering a phone call, which I have no idea about. I said those words, and that was that. It must have lasted thirty seconds." Pressed by Moore to accept she had made the statement to Dunn at Fontwell on September the twelfth last year, Frost added, "I've tried to be as truthful to my memory as possible. I said it because I was hurting, and in some stupid way, I felt that if I said people must like me more than you, in a very small way, I felt that someone felt they were supporting me. I didn't know whether it was true or not. That was the wrong thing to say. That I've got people that like me more than you. Who am I to say that?" Frost was speaking at the second day of a disciplinary panel hearing brought by the BHA against Dunn on charges of prejudicial conduct and violent and threatening behaviour. He denies all charges of prejudicial conduct and two of the three of the threatening behaviour. And our final story today from the racing news: Gordon Elliott broke the record for the amount of winners trained at one meeting on Saturday when he bagged seven of the eight races on offer at Navan. But admitted a mistake was made on the day by running Tiger Roll at Aintree. The dual Grand National winner was pulled up on his return in the Grade Two Many Clouds Chase, with Elliot later revealing he shouldn't have run the eleven-year-old, given conditions came up testing on the day. Speaking at Punchestown on Sunday, Elliot said, "Tiger Roll is absolutely fine this morning. In hindsight, we probably shouldn't have run him on that ground." It came up very testing, and it wasn't ideal for him on his return. I'd say if I'd been over at Aintree myself, he wouldn't have run. But the main thing is, he's absolutely fine, and we'll get him home and see where we are. The Boyne Hurdle at Navan in February, a race Tiger Roll used as a stepping stone towards last season's cross-country triumph, remains the most likely port of call without anything being set in stone. Elliot said. I'd say that the Boyne Hurdle could be the plan, and then maybe onto the cross country from there. 
Tiger Roll is a best place 7 to 1 chance to win the cross country chase in March and record a remarkable 6 Cheltenham Festival success while he is 33 to 1 to emulate Red Rum by winning the Grand National for a third time. Gordon Elliott created history at Navan on Saturday when he became the first trainer to saddle seven winners at one meeting in Britain or Ireland. The 37,382 to one seven-timer eclipsed the record of six winners at one meeting, which he shared with Willie Mullins and Paul Nichols. Elliot had set the previous record of six at one meeting in Ireland on Tritown Chase Day at this venue in November 2016. That record was equalled by Willie Mullins on the Wednesday of the Punchestown Festival in 2018. The only case of six winners at one meeting in Britain was by Paul Nichols at Wincanton in January of 2006. Several trainers, including Martin Pipe, have had more than seven winners in one day at multiple meetings, the world record being held by Michael Dickinson with 12 winners at six meetings on December the 27th, 1982. Sod's law that this is the one that will be beaten, said Elliot, before the 10-11 favourite It's What Unites Us lined up for the concluding bumper. It didn't happen as Jamie Codd guided the newcomer to a smooth success for the seven-timer. Reflecting on an incredible success, the trainer said, It's been a great day with a lot of young horses and this is the product of a lot of rebuilding. We love coming to Navan, and we've been very lucky here, and I think it's one of the best race courses in the world, never mind Ireland. The best horse normally wins, and there are no excuses. Asked to put the day into perspective after the roller coaster year he has both enjoyed and endured, Elliot said, It's unbelievable, and a day I'll never forget, and after the year we have had, this is very special. It just shows what it means to my staff, my owners and all my friends here. I'm back doing what I love doing and I can't believe it. The first leg came when 10 to 1 stable second string the golfer landed the second division of the two mile four furlong maiden hurdle under Jody McGarvey after the fall of Davy Russell ridden Fantasio Deline. Then Ginto produced perhaps the best performance of Elliot's Sensational 7 in the Grade 2 Navan Novice Hurdles at odds of 11-8. to 8. A horse whose reputation had surpassed his achievement before now, Ginto finally began to show what the fuss was about with a commanding performance. There were some long faces when this walk-in-the-park gelding was beaten in a fairy house bumper 11 months ago, but those frowns became smiles after his third consecutive win at Navan. Always comfortable in the pursuit of the leaders, he was pushed clear by Cod after the second last and was in control from there, proving value for every inch of the 11th length victory over main market rival Eric Bloodaxe. It was a nice moment too for the winning rider after intended jockey Russell had been stood down for the day with a sprained wrist from his fall on favourite Fantasia Deline in the second division of the maiden hurdle half an hour earlier. Elliot said, that was great. He's a big galloper, and that shows us he's the horse we thought he was. He had no race here the last day, but what I loved today was what he did from the second last to the line. He just galloped. He is a good horse, and he's a chaser in the making. We'll see where we go next, but he'll get an entry into the Grade 1 Lawler's Novice Hurdle at NAS next month. Ginto was cut to a general 12 to 1 and 14 to 1 shot for the Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle, although he is as low as 8 to 1 favourite for that race with Unibet.
The three-timer arrived in the €100,000 handicap hurdle sponsored by one of Elliot's biggest patrons, Bective Stud. Thanks to the Giggins-town-owned topweight Commander of Fleet, a horse who had been a two-length second to Minella Indo in the 2019 Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle, but was sent off at 40-1 to under Shane Fitzgerald. Next came Riviere de Tal, who remains unbeaten over fences after making it three out of three when landing the Grade Three Claron Davis Novice Chase under Dennis O'Regan at one to four. Kevin Sexton came in for the spare ride on Giggins Town own Farouk Deline in the beginner's chase as the French bred scored after a lengthy absence at seven to two to make it five on the spin for Elliot. Shane Fitzgerald completed a big handicap double on another top weight, the Giggins Town Own conflated at 9-4 in the Grade B handicap chase before It's What Unites Us delivered the coup de grace. You've been listening to all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden and join us again next time. Now then, it's time to have a look and see what fixtures we've got lined up for us this weekend. Well, we start with seven races over the jumps at Doncaster with an 11.50 start. There are seven races over the jumps at Cheltenham, 12.05 start. Seven races over the jumps, Hereford, 12.12 start. Eight races on the flat on the all-weather, up at Newcastle, 1.45 start. Also seven races on the flat at Wolverhampton on their all-weather, with a 4.15 start. And if you want to pop over to the States, Turfway Park, USA, there is flat racing there starting at 1.14. And then on Sunday, there are seven races over the jumps at Carlisle, with a 12 o'clock start. Seven races over the jumps at Southall, with a 12.15 start and again racing at Turfway Park in the USA with a 1.14 start so if you fancy a trip over to the States you know where to go well now it's time for the last part of our Harry Finlay interview that we had on uh, Three Valleys Radio recently on our In Conversation spot now you had an instant where you kind of fell out with the horse racing authorities to put it uh, <laughs> to put it uh, mildly uh, this question of being warned off can you explain to those of us that are not sort of expert on this sort of thing exactly what happened and and you know what the end result was a terrible effect on me um, without question I mean since I've owned dogs and you mentioned earlier since I was a teenager and Every horse I've ever owned and dog has never, ever once been an integrity issue in my life. I mean, I used to get the piss taken out of me at races all the time from punters saying, Harry, why do you never handicap a horse? Why do you never, ever have three runs and then go for a touch? You never, ever do it. Why do you, you know, why do you give Gary Moore rockets and just back him first time out from 8 to 13 to 2 to 7? And it was a standing joke. But I knew full well that if I ever did t- take any liberties or anything, they'd come down on me. But, of course, I never did. It had a terrible effect on, on my life. You... I can imagine. You know, you you look at Kathleen Stock now and these people that are getting slaughtered by the trans activists and stuff, and you just know the harm it's doing. These woke crusaders yeah, slaughtering, yeah. slaughtering for like you know professors at universities, and until it's happened to you, until you you know, I mean, I was on Radio Five every hour. Denman owners disqualified for cheating, you know, and all that line. I used to go. Eve Houghton Johnson and people like that. I had Venetia Williams. I had four or five women trainers training horses for me, and ended up giving five of my horses away. I mean, I mean, I won the appeal, but you, you, yeah. you know, I mean, at the time when I won the appeal, it felt like I won a zillion pound. But the reality is, you know, but the only good side is 
I'd, I'd, I'd more or less finished in terms of the only horses I had. Right? It was never going to be that way anyway. But from a personal point of view, it was it, it, it was it was a hellish period. And when I took over at Coventry, the repercussion of me still being as as angst with the world as I was wasn't wasn't ideal. And you know. Um, I'm a bit surprised I've survived it all, really. But if you're a punter and you and you can back a few winners, anything yeah. can happen. But I mean, it must have cost you a bloody fortune in legal costs and all the rest. Well, it didn't it? because the, the legal firm had 11, 11 barristers, eleven barristers and solicitors wrote in and said we'll do it all for nothing. So I had the choice. Oh. So I had no legal fees because so many people, um, so many people were, 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 knew what was going on. It was an absolute disgrace and. I had loads of people preparing to do the prepared to do the legal legal side of it for me. Oh, that was right then. So yeah, so came out, yeah, came out of that all right. Anyway, that was so. Um, now, <clears throat> what about your wife? She must have been through the ringer, I should think, on occasions, hasn't she? Yeah, 30, 31 years now. Um, we actually only got married in Australia about three, four years ago. But God, it was a great wedding. Um, thanks to Cross Counter winning the. Um, Winning the Melbourne Cup, um, but no, thirty-one years we've been together. Um, yeah, she has. I mean, I mentioned I think in the book that my girlfriend before my, my initial girlfriend Carol was a, Carol was a great girl, and when I was in Brighton, and she would have been seven, eight years older than me, and um, you know she was the one who had a monthly wages on the cricket teams that got beat, and she was the one who you know yeah. had it a bit more tougher than Kay. Um, I often look back when, when the early times became the big results, how crucial they were, and you know, amazing, amazing luck. But I remember when 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 the book came out, um, the day it came out, we had a meeting, and the the girl who's in charge of the publicity and all this, the PR, she said, "I'm not a gambler." She said, "But I've read the book." She said, "And all I can say is that your mother and your wife are two incredible, strong women," and that that was great for me because that that was. My mum died shortly after the book, and she was badly wrong with the BHA, worse than me. I can't even tell you what they done it were with the tax thing. It was vile. It, it really was personal vendetta, heavy stuff. Yeah. And, if, and it, my mum was when I was bad. My mum was even there for me then, and I'm so glad that before she died, I turned the corner and she read the book. And all she said was, "I got one of the addresses wrong or something or the thing." But she was, you know, my mum was my mum was a great woman and very popular. So many. So many men my age, but like she was a mum for more than two sons. She was a she was a great woman, especially if you were a man. And I think that's why Paul Barber liked her. I think that's why I got a lot of people like you know. You talked about Nick Schofield, what a lovely lad he is, jump trainers, and I, Richard Johnson. My mum had a few horses with Philip Hobbs. We had early horses with Philip yeah. Hobbs, and Richard. The way Richard Johnson and Mick Fitzgerald and people like that used to treat my mum at the races was. Because I'd very rarely went. I I very rarely went. I like watching them at home. Yeah. And um, it wasn't just owning the good horses. It was knowing that my mum was going to places like Wincanton and Chepstow and getting treated. You know, my mum's friend Anne, who's been great with me in recent years. She 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 got some kick out of it as well. And and my brother, who they 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 never cut the cord. My mother and my brother. And um, a few years he spent going driving her to race courses and. Going and winning Scottish Grand Nationals, and that was great. But you know, women generally, and I'm being a bit general here, but I mean, I know what my wife's like when it comes to betting. They must have been two exceptionally 
unusual women, shall we say, in the coming, you know, if I ever, oh, you wasting your money again, you wasting yeah. your money, you know. I mean, this, that I would think is, I'm not exactly, you know, put them in a box but but i would say that generally speaking women do have that sort of approach to men having a bet it's yeah like, well, lose your money there yeah and, and, and you know to have your mother and, and and your wife and everybody that sort of because it's like not me putting a tenner on you're putting yeah. 100 quid on or whatever and i mean well, just like i mean I, I am that's luck i mean kay kay was kay's the last of three kids she's yeah. always allowed me downs and her mother was very frugal her grandmother was like me a spender a borrower and all this and know all the neighbors a few quid and throughout her mum's life all she she was never going to own a penny she was always gonna she was never gonna she was more than frugal and that, that had an effect on Kay and one of Kay's philosophies growing up as a very young kid was that when she's older she's never going to worry about money so that was that was just luck. Larry I'm going to bring it to an end fairly shortly um Looking back on your life so far, and yeah. you're still going strong, I'm pleased to say, um, what would you say has been the the best moment that you can think of in, oh, in your life? With, you know, oh, when, when, when Big Fella Thanks won, 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 won the Derby by, by such a long way, um, just the, because of what happened with the boys and because, <clears throat> you know, I... Denman won the Gold Cup, but I never, ever, ever, ever thought I'd ever have a, have a Gold Cup horse. And for like seven, eight years, I'd just tried to win a trial stake to get to Clonmel. I didn't even think about winning the Derby. All I ever thought about was winning a 32-dog trial stake to get to the Derby. Um, I remember Jimmy Barry Murphy, who's a pal of mine now, he's been helping me so much with Lifford, with Lifford and he, he is a sporting legend. And uh, he had a dog, Telematic Lady, in the quarterfinal of the Oaks. And I remember looking at him, he's gone going back 20 odd years now, and I remember looking at Jimmy Barry Murphy when she got beat half a length in the quarterfinal of the Oaks. And I remember thinking, imagine owning a dog in the quarterfinal of the Oaks, you know, and yeah. and and then to, to go so close with Jason Lemmer, then win with Big Fella. And I really can't explain to the people who weren't there that day just what an experience it was. So, you know, even if Denman had fallen in the last in the Gold Cup 10 clear, within a millisecond of Denman falling out. I thought, well, the one time you are, the one time you really needed it, you, you, you had the result when Big Fella won. So, in answer to that, um, Big Fella thanks. And and f in terms of proud and anything, Jay's dilemma who got beat the, the, the year before she got beat in the Oaks final at seven on desperate. When she won the Court Cup the following year, she come back to running the Court Cup against all age dogs. She was a bitch. And she won against Man of Slain in the Court Cup at Blarney. And um, there'd be a hardcore group of coursing men that day in Blarney. And we all knew it was Man of Slain, top white and fawn dog against the unlucky bitch from last year, Jay's Dilemma. And the betting was evens each or two on the on the stand. Evens each or two. And Jay's Dilemma beat um, Jay's Dilemma beat Man of Slain two and a half, three lengths. Absolutely awesome bitch she was. And afterwards I went out and we were always hands on with the dog and Dennis had done the dog and she was a blue, beautiful, beautiful blue bitch and he put the red jacket on her and he said, you walk her in to get the trophy whatever. And I, went, and I walked into Blarney, the sun was coming down and that was a great moment. And there was, I'm not a trophy man, but this was like a golf ball glass crystal trophy, the court cup. And that was Eddie Donnelly again in the field with Eddie Donnelly. And that, 
that was a real that was a real special moment. It never had the the thing of the dar- the derby, but that was real coursing people in Blarney watching the Court Cup, and I I, I, I often think of that moment as one of my favourites. Forgive my ignorance, but what is coursing? Coursing is the the the, one, the, 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 red, the red against the white collar, one dog against another. Oh, and just, oh, yeah, yeah, and straight after this interview, you can put it, big fella thanks YouTube, and you'll see the final against Toy Razor, which everyone knows is the the greatest course that's ever took place in, ever. And yeah. um, big fella thanks was four to one against to win the Derby at the start of the tournament with sixty four dogs, and he was four to one against in the final. And he still won. And yes, and in running when he led, I thought there was a chance he'd lead and. There was a chance he'd lead, I thought, but when Toy Razor loomed up and actually went a neck in front of him, Big Fella Thanks would have been a 500 to 1 chance in running, but he fought back and um, that was that was it. And we were in the pub that night, in the pub of the, the sister of the brother who died, Jack Pat who died, yeah. um, and Mickey Murphy died, and we were in her sister that, that pub, that pub, pub till sort of six in the morning, the next morning when we, when we went back to the hotel and... Um, I remember speaking to Nolo Driscoll, Dennis's father, and saying, you know, every day it gets better, and it does, it gets more special. And so many people, for so many people, that was a, that was a special moment, but for me it was the best. And, and I suppose this is a pretty obvious question to ask, and it's probably going to be a pretty obvious answer, but if you could undo anything in your life so far, would it be the, the World Cup, or would it be something different? Oh, no, it wouldn't be the World Cup. It's quite funny, because I had two people... We all talk about the World Cup, but even more stressful, you know, and not many people know this, but we checked the, the dates and that. Two and a half months later, um, Federer played Nadal at Wimbledon, yeah. and I had 2.2 on, on Federer. Did you? Because Nadal had played... It took him four days to win one round, and I thought he was injured. And they met in the final, and Federer was a dollar twenty-two, and I told Tony Bloom to have the biggest bet of his life. I said I'll make Federer fourteen to one on. I think it's the biggest. I just, I just, I just gave Rafa absolutely no chance that particular day, and it ended up going to five. Ended up going to five sets. Yeah. And at three, at two all in the third, bloody Federer had a row with. The the, the, the the Hawkeye. I mean, when Hawkeye first came out, all Roger yeah. Federer was doing was screaming. I said, Roger, you're the best player in the world. How can you not like Hawkeye? Are you completely mad? But anyway, nearly cost me that money because he got upset about Hawkeye. All of a sudden, break point Nadal. Outside, inside shot. His favourite shot, break point. That would have been another... And then we, we, might, we might not be here now <laughs> if, and I, yeah. uh, if, if Nadal plays that shot. And... Um, and how did Nadal miss it? And then Federer wins the fifth set. And I was literally, change of ends, I was so sure that Federer would win. I can't tell you. And I was so sure, but once it had gone two sets all, I don't want to know. So I was literally dropping 60 grand. Every change of ends, I was getting, cutting it down, cutting it down, yeah. cutting it down. Um, but then luckily Federer got the break and, and won. But um, I've never, ever fancied anything like that to, 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 the, to, to the same degree since. And when I did, it was Melbourne Storm and... And and they, and they won, and um, no, I've always been a believer that if you really fancy fancy something strong, as a punter through life, I've always believed that you you got to have it on your your your, your, your naps your naps or your maximums, yeah. as long as it's not Hill Blacks that year. <laughs> so so what now for Harry Finlay then? Well, I, I think the I think the Lifford thing is enormous. I think the greyhound racing has been abused as a betting as abused as a betting product especially by the English bookmaker, especially by 
ignorance of how, how the game, you know, football punters are betting the three and four percent. Who's going to bet on Graham racing at 30 percent? That's yeah. why Brass, why Brez better getting involved in dogs yeah. and saying, look, these are better odds because that's what I'd be doing if I was, was yeah. at a betting company like that. But I'm involved with the toe. I'm involved with Alex Frost, the CEO, who genuinely understands what low margin betting is. If you've got an account with tote.co.uk now and you're on the website, ask the last Whirlpool day, it was 102, 104, 100% betting. It's better value than Betfair. It's better value than anything. And this is from a tote that 12 months ago was the biggest rip-off in the world with massive rebates to one punter. But not, and and I, I think that the, the, the horse tote in the next two or three years will, will be a big... Hopefully, Lifford will you know, show him how to do it, but there's no reason why... My, my belief is that the pubs and clubs in Ireland... Uh, they, they don't in Australia the tote model is a massive success at 14% takeout all the pubs clubs all over Queens and Australia they have the tote they're now taking 9 million on one greyhound meet in Wentworth on a Saturday night with 14% we're going to have Lifford at 10 that's a massive difference between 10 and 14 the rest of the country is 25 but I believe that the tote the UK tote we've already sponsored the Galway Festival then we're getting into Lifford and there's no reason why in three or four years with everyone keeps talking about this cashless society why can't the tote in Ireland be in those pubs be in the horse and jockey at Thurley's and in the black cow at Dublin and not a Paddy Power and a Ladbrokes outside charging you 15% for your football and charging you 20% for your horses and 30% for your dogs no just one tote in the pub in Ireland you don't even need to put the the systems in like you do in Australia I don't can't remember the last time I was a pub in Ireland that don't have racing RUK and things yeah. so literally you've got a little monitor with a credit card two roast dinners two pints of Guinness tender on the jackpot and six quid on trap six yeah 10% takeout I believe that's the future yeah yeah so you carry on betting though oh, oh, oh <laughs> every every I'll bet the Aussie dogs this morning I'll bet my horses I'd, I'd I just can't not bet. I just love it. I'm on Max Verstappen for the for the World Championship. I was on him big yesterday in Mexico, yeah. and uh, he's a certainty now. And I've uh, uh, you know I loved the Grand Prix outright as a kid because there was no race on a Sunday, no football on a Sunday. So that's where I learned about the Grand Prix. And um, yeah. I haven't missed a kick this year. I haven't missed a. I, I just think it's Lewis and the Max. I just think it's been an absolute war, and I mean a war. And um, no, I think it's. I've found every session, even every practice session, I find exciting, and um, I actually think so. So exciting! I think if you look back and gambling, if I, if you know, I don't even drive. I can't even drive a car, but I wouldn't mind being in one of those strategy teams. You know, I, I'm, I, I, I enjoy. I'm enjoying the Grand Prix like a lot of sport. I'm enjoying it now more than ever. So, final question. I'm a Man United fan, as you can see by the pictures on the wall or the shirts on the wall. I was hoping you weren't going to ask me this, but carry on. Go on. Who's going to be the next manager then? Because it seems probably inevitable that poor Ole's going to finish. Who would you, who would you, who would you make your favourite to be the new manager? Oh, I don't know, but I, I, I honestly, hand on my heart, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want the job. I honestly wouldn't want the job. I just, no. I, and I think that I, I think that Man City game. I think Man City. But I mean, I've, listen. <laughs> last three years I've done my money on Man City for the Champions League I'm on this year coupled with Bayern Munich but Buttons I've done my money fair and square on Man City for that Champions League but at times I think they look nine unplayable and Liverpool 
the last two times I've been to see them live, the pace they when when they come on the Italian, when I was there when they beat Roma in the in a couple of years, eighteen months ago, and the pace they've got going forward, I, I can't I can't have United. I can't have them at any price. And I, the Cantona goal killed me the other. They're not Cantona. What's his name? Ronaldo goal again the other night. That killed yeah. me. Uh, the three-two goal that killed me. Um, but no, I can't. I, 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 it's not a job. I see Brendan Rodgers is eight to eleven now with with the firm, so that means he's about a five to four chance, eleven away against chance in reality, I suppose. But uh, no, I wouldn't want the job. Well, all I can say, Harry, is thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. It's been an eye opener. It's taught me a lot. And when I sit back and play this back now, I'm gonna, I'll probably be ringing you up. Can't, saying, can't, can't over here. <laughs> I'll probably be ringing you up and saying, "What the hell does that mean, Harry?" <laughs> but no, thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been absolutely brilliant. So, uh, and best of luck with the new race uh, track over in Ireland. And uh, if I'm ever over in Ireland, I've been once to Ireland, Kilkenny. Yeah. Um, but if track uh, there, yeah. Yeah. If if ever I. Uh, do get the way I shall ring you up so I'm coming to the dogs yeah it's a good spot it's, it's on the border of Donegal and uh, in, in Donegal right on the Irish right on the border and uh, a, 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 all the golfers go there they all, all Tiger Woods and all his mates all the golf yeah. course right right near there it's a lovely part of the world great thanks for joining us cheers well there we go that was the last part of Harry Finley's interview with us and once again I'd like to thank Harry for coming on the show he was absolutely brilliant so uh, we wish him all the best in his future endeavours Sweet sweet memories you gave me you can't beat the memories you gave me Take one fresh and tender kiss one stolen night of bliss. Yeah, memories, memories. This is what this little section of the show is all about. We are going to try over the next few weeks to resurrect some memories for you with some of the classic races over the last 30 odd years. We will replay the commentaries and then we'll get in touch with the jockeys and have a chat with them and see what they remember about the race um last week we started off with the first one which was floyd which we did with our own colin brown and uh as the weeks go by we will try and tie up with the leading race that particular weekend as well if we can so uh make sure you keep joining us at uh seven o'clock on a friday night for the racing show and uh roughly about halfway through the show we will be doing our memories feature which I hope you'll like three little kids for the flavour stir carefully through the days see how the flavour stays these are the dreams you will savour with his blessing and this week we're going back to the 1997 King George chase at Kempton Park and featured a horse called Seymour Business that uh, Andrew Thornton rode. So we'll have a listen to the commentary and then we'll have a quick word with Andrew Thornton. First of 19 fences coming towards them now. And uh, on the left of the picture in the blue jacket, uh, Sunny Bay is up with the early pace. Senor Petruti on the outside, and they take the first, where one man is last, but one challenger to look last of all. And the national winner, Rough Quest, last uh, in the last three. The next one they take is an open ditch. Sunny Bay, Barton Bank, 
Senior Albertruti just uh, stepped through it. Jeddah goes through into third. Senior Albertruti racing in four. Then we've got Seymour Business in five, and one man the inside challenges a look and rough quest, and the pace looks steady. It may look slow, but it's very, very testing ground here. And from on high, we see them turning towards the back straight, the narrowest part of the course, this. The chase course head towards fence number three with Sunny Bay leading by about uh, three parts of a length. To Barton Bank in second, Senior Obertruti back in third. Seymour Business, the outside of Jeddah and one man. And then we have challenged to look three lengths in front of the national winner, Rough Quest, who's the back marker. Next one, the fourth, is another open dish. And Barton Bank, who's a course regular here, strides through to take command and spring heel jumps it well takes two lengths away to sunny bay in second place jedda the french waiter showing in third one man in four and then a line of three challenging to look senior albertruti in the black and yellow seymour business rough quest is at the back as they take that plain fence that was the fifth and quickly arrive at the wings of the six with barton bank a big money spinner this bank leads wasn't rough quest economical jumping at the back of the pack. So it's Barton Bank and Adrian Maguire. Horses uh, won the race before by length two. Sunny Bay in second, then one man in third, and Jed at the outside of him. And the black and yellow wide on the course is Seymour Business. Challenger to look follows, then Senor Petruti, one of the most improved uh, chasers in training this season, but facing a big test here towards the back now with rough quest as they level up down the home straight for the first time. This is the seventh. A row of three plane fences on this triangle, or this stretch of the triangular track, with Barton Bank leading. Sunny Bay sits in second. Seymour Business on the outside of Jeddah and one man going the shortest way as they cross the next. Then Challenger to look and a rough quest the inside of Senor Albertruti. And this uh, soft ground may not suit here. This will be the last. Next time round, Barton Bank comes to it. The fence that claimed him two or three years ago, but he's over safely in the lead. Come up past the winning line then. A circuit to go. And all the eight runners jumping safe and sound. Barton Bank leads by a neck to Sunny Bay in second and Seymour Business, the outside of Jeddah and one man, and then Challenger to look, followed by Rough Quest and Senior Petruti. And when the going gets tough, the tough get going, and they're going out on the final circuit towards the water jump. Stamina, speed, the hallmarks of champion chasers, all of them have in abundance. Senior Petruti, just a little bit of a hint of four faults there. They've completed a circuit in this Potemps King George. This is the 11th, was their first, and coming into it, Barton Bank, the inside of Sunny Bay, Jeddah keeping tabs on them on the outer, Seymour Business, one of the favourites, one man, really running away under Richard Dunwoody. Then we have Challenger to look, what a bold jump there by Sunny Bay, the grey in second place. Barton Bank, though, still matching strides with him as they swing right-handed again. And let's check the SPs as they make the run towards the back straight. Joint favourites out of the off, Sunny Bay and one man at 9-4. to four. Rough quest. One of the back markers at 11-2, to two. Barton Bank at 8-1 to one's the leader as they come down the back straight in the seventh from home. The course gets a bit wider now and they go down towards fence number 13. And it's Barton Bank that leads to Sunny Bay on the outside. The horse with his ears pricked, one man is behind them. 
The black and yellow colour Seymour business has been a little bit novice at some of his fences, but he jumped that one well enough. Senorol Petruti is the back marker now, but he has uh, got speed when it counts, and they're only about ten lengths off the pace. Closely grouped, this is the last ditch they have to jump. Barton Bank still just has the edge. Barton Bank to Sunny Bay and one man in Seymour business. And then comes Challenger to look, and then Rough Quest, who we know will be delivered late. Jedder, the French rider, is about eight lengths off the pace now. Senor Albertruti is the uh, back marker. One man made a bad mistake there. Has it knocked the stuffing out of him? Is there still plenty of horse left? Three uh, in line at the fourth from home. Barton Bank, oh, he made a mistake there. And Barton Bank's chances have surely gone. A Seymour business, ridden by Andrew Thornton, the jockey who's having his best ever season, comes up to press. Sunny Bay, there was a health doubt out of that one. Back in third place is a challenger to look on the outside. Rough Quest getting closer. So they come down towards the third from home, and it's Seymour Business on the outside of Sunny Bay. They've got three to jump in the Potemps King George, and here comes one man closing in now. It's Seymour Business, one man going for his third win in the race. Three out, Seymour Business, one man on the inside. Challenger Deluc is making a run on the right. Don't rule out Rough Quest yet. This is the second last, and it's Challenger Deluc and Seymour Business, and on the inside, one man. Then we have Rough Quest, and Sunny Bay is beaten. They come down towards the final fence, and one man has hit the wall again in this turn. They come down to the last. Challenger Deluc, Tony McCoy, champion jockey. Seymour Business sees one good stride the far side. It's a race for outsiders, this, as they battle to the line. It's Seymour Business and Challenger Deluc. Now let's have a word with the jockey Andrew Thornton, who rode Seymour Business to victory in the 1997 King George V chase. Well, good morning, Andrew. Um, good of you to join us on the show. So just how did you get the ride on Seymour Business then? Uh, I was pretty well, it was fifth and sixth choice. I think Richard Dunwoody was asked and uh, he was riding one man. Mick Fitzgerald was on Rough Quest. Uh, Graham Bradley was on Senior Albertruzzi. And then several other jockeys were taken. Um, so that's that was about six or seven choice. But Timmy Murphy got banned a fortnight before uh, the entry meeting. He got a 10-day ban. So that's how the ride became available in the first place. Else he would have ridden him because he's... He was stable jogging to Paul Nichols, so it was um, more luck and judgment. And I was just in the right place at the right time and having a very good season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he was a, a lovely horse to pick up, a, a, as it were, a spare ride on, I should think, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. He, he hadn't, obviously, knowing what we, we knew afterwards, uh, about a year later, that he was, as was a top-class horse. That was really in the early part of his career. And he wasn't known as the best jumper in the world then, um, mm. because he, he didn't wear blinkers. It yeah. was only later on in his career where he would blow blinkers. So Paul Nichols had said to me, make sure you line up wide, give him loads of daylight over the first few. I can remember having Jeddah on the outside of Tiwi Tiwi Man. I'm thinking, I don't want to, I, I want to be on the wide outside, but he was literally in the car park where he was lining up. So thankfully he was a bit slow at the first and I ended up getting my own space and getting him warmed up. And the main thing is, wasn't, not don't ask him 
for any long ones. Yeah. Um, so the first part of the race was just getting 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 him warmed up, getting to know him, and going from there because that's the first time I'd sat on him. Yeah, yeah. And um, how did the race go so, generally? So generally, it was a, I had a clear passage round. Um, there was no pressure. I think it was a ten to one chance going into the race. At the likes to challenge it to look in there, who you know he's a bit of a monkey. Um, but I was just keeping an eye on the likes of One Man and Rough Quest and and several others, and they probably they probably didn't really perform to their best. I can remember going through the race thinking after a circuit that uh, everything had gone smoothly. He, he was popping away quietly away, and he ended up jumping his way into the race without me having to do too much on him. Yeah. Um, what was the going like and, and, and the weights? Did he, did he have a lot of weight on, on board that day? Well, obviously, championship race, grade one, I think back then it was probably 12 stone. Um, yeah. You know, every horse had 12 stone in the race, so a level race race. Uh, the going conditions were just pretty much good to soft, perfect ground, perfect yeah. jumping ground. It wasn't, it wasn't what I would call very testing, heavy ground, gruelling. Um, you know, from his perspective, he, he, it was it was ideal for him. And one man, I think, made a bad mistake near the uh, the last down the back, and that literally left me upside Graham Bradley in front on Senior Batrucci. And I can always remember him saying to me, "Hey, lad, I think they've gone quick enough. I think we just give them a bit of a breather." <laughs> and as soon as he said that. I thought, well, he hasn't got much left. Yeah. So I gave my horse a bit of a squeeze and thought, well, I'm off. Yeah. I'm not hanging around. And uh, he turned into the home straight, jumped the third last pretty well. And then I jumped the second last and I felt a horse looming up on my outside. And uh, I could just see the blinkers. And I thought, I know who that is. That's AP on Challenger to look. Yeah, big horse who found very little off the bridle, and he was taking a pull, and I was giving mine a squeeze along. And the only time I think I asked Seymour Business for a big jump was at the last, and he came for me, and he was very, very quick over it. And um, yeah, he quickened up, he quickened up from the back of the last, and he won going away in the end. And but as soon as AP asked Challenger the look, he found absolutely zero, and. Uh, yeah, to to win a King George on my first ride was, you know, yeah. just um, something that dreams are made of. Was there any point in the race where you thought to yourself, this is going well now, I'm going to do this, or did you have to wait more or less till the end, you know, the last the last jump? It's funny, you know, you do get feelings like that in, a, in races where you think, oh, I've got this one in the bag, or all I've got to do is jump round. Yeah. But I think with with a horse like him, that he wasn't the, the best jumper in the world because he didn't have the blinkers on he got transformed later in life when they put the blinkers on he was a brilliant jumper yeah but he um it was it was don't put the cart before the horse i didn't at any stage think i'm going to win this until he had crossed the line and, and looking at your your career overall andrew was was this the the most uh satisfying the most uh successful you know ride that you had um, I think it was it was the start. It was the start for me. It was the, my first big ride that I'd, I'd had in a real grade one. Yeah. Um, and that put me, stood me in good stead for the rest of my career. 
You know, mm. it's, a, it's one ride that probably put, put it in people's imaginations over Christmas to grade one. And that's what gave me the chance to ride in a lot of big races. You know, I, I, I rode in the Gold Cup after that one on Cool Dawn. Seymour Business was in the race in the Gold Cup and got carried out. Yeah. So I always said to Timmy Murphy, I owe Timmy Murphy an awful lot because I got the ride in the King George and then he got carried out in the Gold Cup when Seymour Business was favourite. So I always said, I owed Timmy, I owe you everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it's funny how those little quirks in racing can sort of, you know, they can they can make everything different for your whole career, really, can't it? Oh, very much, yeah. The, the ups and downs and the swings and roundabouts, and that's a jockey's life. But that, that was the start of, you know, probably... 10 years where everything went pretty well for me and um you know i was lucky to ride seen more business six years later in the rehearsal at chepstow yeah so it was six years six years between rides and he probably gave me a better feel six years later than he did when he won the king george but uh, everything felt right on the day the blinkers made the horse yeah it was a different horse with blinkers yeah well look, andrew thank you ever so much for coming on and reminiscing really appreciate it and um you know, hopefully we'll touch base again sometime. Thank you very much. Andrew Thornton there with his memories of riding the uh, 1997 King George winner, Seymour Business. Right, well, now we're going to dip back into the In Conversation archives and catch up with Richard Pittman, who had a chat with us about his experiences of both riding in and commentating on the Grand National. But um, going back to the National a minute, Richard, um, any of this lot, uh, last suspect, West Tip, because that was Richard Dunwoody's first winning it any of these yep. spring out any stories with any of these like rhyme and yep. reason yeah yeah uh, yeah rhyme and reason and also west tip we'll start with west tip dunwoody he, he he was a regular round entry he was second he was four he fell when he looked to be the one i think he ran there six times you know in the national he was mm. a great national horse but it's amazing that he even got there he was trained in worcestershire by michael oliver and a lorry ran into him on doing road work one time, ran into him when he was a young horse, and he had a, took his hind quarter off. He had a, a, a deflection, not deflection, a, an indentation mm. on his hind quarter, which was triangular, and it ate into his muscle so deeply, and it was about 18 inches by 18 inches, you know, it was... It was a horrific accident to mm. think that he could come back from that and win a national. It was <laughs> quite amazing. Yeah. I, I was friends with the owners of the Luffs. Sadly, Mr. Luff's not with us anymore. But it, it did really mean the world to them. You know, they've been trying for a while. It's so many people. Money won't necessarily get you a, a national winner, you know. No. You need a little bit of luck on your, on your side. Oh, well, sorry, you mentioned Rhyme and Reason. Rhyme and Reason, yeah. Brendan Powell rode him, pink, and uh, he was trained by David Ellsworth. He fell at Beecher's Brook first time. If you look at a still picture, he has fallen. He's sideways to the fence on the landing side. Uh, jockey's still on board, and the horse is spread-eagled on the ground. Yeah. I mean, Next time round at Beaches, <laughs> you know, he's in with a chance for him to have recovered from that and to be given a ride like Brendan Powell gave him to win was just an amazing thing. Mm. Yeah, mm. very gutsy. But we've seen no end of bad luck stories in the race. 
Yeah. You know, it, it's a race that dra- it's drama, it's theatre. It gets us on our on edge. Moving down the list a little bit more, I've got Little Paul Vieira. Of course, Colin Brown didn't ride him in the National, but did ride him to win on some races. Uh, did you know much about that yes. one? Yeah, funny story about that one. Um, I've been buying horses for people most of my life, and uh, an amateur rider from Manchester, a solicitor called John Carden, uh, rang me and said, I'm, I want a national horse with a chance. So anyway, I did the business around asking which could be bought, which couldn't, and I ended up with Little Pole there, and I did uh, a deal with John Edwards, who trained him in Herefordshire at that time, had him bought for 25 grand, rang Carden and said, I've got you the right horse. Oh, fantastic, fantastic, right. Okay. Um, he said, I'm, in, I'm quite busy in the office, but I'll ring you when I get home. But thanks, well done. So anyway, when he got home, his wife said, you buy that horse, I'm leaving. So, <laughs> so he bought lots of horses and they were rubbish. You know? So anyway, John had to ring me and say, look, Richard, I, I can't go through the sale. And I, worse still, had to ring John Edwards and say, you know, having said we'll have it, we're, we're going to have to back out. Well, as it happened, um, another owner was found and it, it was transferred to Toby Balding's yard and won. Mm. But, you know, it's very embarrassing to have to to back out of a sale. That you, Normally, horse sales are done word of yeah. handshake, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and your honour. Well, my honour suffered a lot that time, I can oh, tell dear. you. <laughs> uh, going down the next one 1990 Mr Frisk but I see uh, his time was a, a record it says here 8 minutes 47 seconds yeah now that will never be beaten for two reasons A the race is 90 yards shorter now so the old national times uh, are what he beat and he beat Christopher Red Rubber's record and we, that stood for 40 years but it was very fast ground that year you know really fast and they won't allow that now because of health and safety they water the course to make it have give in it in the going you know to yeah. the horses land over those big fences so for those two reasons you know that time will stand forever now he was a nutcase and he used to be he was trained by Kim Bailey he used to be ridden by his then wife Tracy most days riding another horse a quiet horse even galloping so there'd be no one on on mr frisk and and she'd have a lead rope onto his bridle and they got the gallops the pair of them i mean we, it was again you know an amazing grand national story richard Pittman there with his long association with the grand national now we're going to touch base with our regular contributor jamie snowden no less up at lambourne well hi jamie as usual thanks for joining us again always reliable as jamie snowden that's for sure um, you're very kind. Thanks, Eddie. Great to, great to be on again. Yeah, no, that's right. Tell me something. Um, winners seem to be a little bit uh, in short supply at the moment. Do you put much of this down to the going in that you can't run perhaps some of the, the more fancied horses that you've got because of the going or what? Um, no, we had, a, we had a winner last week, um, which, which, was, which was... And um, they're, 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 they're tinkling away. We're, we're on, what, a, it's 29 for the season. So, yeah. uh, no, that's OK. Um, we had a slightly disappointing day yesterday, but um, like all these things, when you, when, you, when you have good days, you also have bad days as well. So you've got to take the rough for the smooth, but um, no, at least, at least the winners are still coming. 
Is, I mean, is the going situation improving generally? Because we we certainly had a fair bit of rain down here in Somerset. I don't know what, what it's been like up at Lambourne and around. Yeah, so yesterday um, the heavens really opened, obviously, didn't they? We, we yeah. were obviously hit by the storm. Um, Frontwell actually became an absolute quagmire yesterday. So it's gone from it's gone from sort of uh, verging on fast ground to to sort of heavy ground almost almost overnight, really. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that, but I mean, is that kind of, you know, affecting your, your judgment in terms of wh- which horses you let out and which you don't? Um, uh, no, I mean, Kiltilly Briggs um, ran on heavy ground at, uh, at Haydock last week and won. Um, I, obviously, the, the summer horses, the horse that, horses that wanted the fast ground are, uh, are out on their holidays. And we've either got babies or, or horses that handle handle the deep ground in at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. and the, the babies are obviously learning the education and uh, and we're running the running the winter horses and what is the difference between uh, you know a horse that that can handle um you know deep heavy ground sort of thing i mean what what in their makeup what what's the difference well i i suppose it's a bit like a a, a rugby player to a you know a forward to a back in in the old style kind of rugby maybe not these days but uh you know the 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 horse that handles the deep ground is usually the bigger, the stronger, um, perhaps the older type of horse. Um, you know the the, the younger, the, the slightly weaker individual might struggle in the in, in the softer ground. Right. Um, a lot depends on 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 their their movement, their action. Some horses that you know the horses that tend to want softer ground tend to have a high knee action, and, yeah. and the horses that want the quicker ground tend to have what we call a daisy cutter action. They kind of float along the surface. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it depends on their action, depends on their strength, depends on their pedigree as well. You know, a lot of um, a lot of a lot of sires will pass on their sort of love for certain type of grounds to their offspring. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I suppose what you said is you know kind of so an all-in wrestler is going to have a better chance on the heavy ground than a than a. Um, you know, a flyweight boxer, should we put it that way? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, got a few out over the weekend, I see. Um, well, we've got one on Friday, first of all. That's all right, Gino. Didn't he win the last race he ran? Memory serves Yeah, he did. Yeah, you're very right, Eddie. Yeah, he, he won really nicely. He's a horse that I've always liked a lot. Yeah. Um, he, he finished second on three in three bumpers last season. Um, oh. I couldn't believe he didn't win a bumper, but... Um, uh, sometimes you know it, it, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. But he won very nicely on hurdling debut down at down at Fontwell, and, um, and 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 we we pitched him in the deep end at Chatham on Friday. Yeah, so you're obviously reasonably hopeful then, if that's the case. I, I like the horse a lot, and yeah. it's a very good race. I mean, obviously you don't go to Chatham and find a bad race. No, no. Um, but it, but but he is a, he is a decent horse. He's in a good race, and let's hope he can come out on top. But in all, all the time I've spoken to you over, I don't know, it must be six months now at least, uh, that's the first time you've ever said to me, I really like this horse. <laughs> I haven't tried to sell you one yet, Aidy. <laughs> no, that's just true. <laughs> um, but look at it Look at it Saturday. A couple at, couple at um, Hereford, first of all. Uh, are they still going? Fact of the matter and Hardy Dessoul? Yeah, I, I'm not sure about fact of the matter. He, he does like better ground, so with the rain he, 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 might, he might not go. But... Um, Hardy Desoy, um, yeah, he's again, he's a horse I really like as well, Aidy. Yeah. Um, his form figures are, are slightly up and down. He, he fell first time out, and then he won, and then he unseated. Yeah. Um, so his, his form figures have got a few letters mixed in with the uh, with the numbers. Thankfully, the numbers are, are ones, and, yeah. um, and and 
he is a good horse, um, and, and and I think we'll go to Hereford on Saturday with him. I feel a five pound double coming on here. Then that's all right, Gino and Hardy. Just saw. <laughs> well, it, it, if they if they come off and it's a good price, then uh, you, you, we better go. We better go for a pint, Eddie. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and then Saturday, anything for love. That's one of your better ones again, isn't it? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, she won a Grade Two last season. She won yeah. a Grade Two um, novice hurdle at Sandown. She's uh, she she loves deep ground. She really really relishes soft ground. We've run her a couple of times so far this autumn on on better ground, and she's been placed, um, but 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 hasn't gone got ahead in front. So um, I'm just trying to put as many entries in and find find the suitable race on the softest ground. But yeah. um, that that has been a little bit troublesome to to, to find at the moment. And Sunday we've got Thomas McDomer. I presume he's not running because he ran in there a couple of days ago. Yeah, he um, he slightly lost his confidence. He he ran in the Grand Sefton over the Grand National fences and and got a little bit spooked by those fences. And and um, we, we we ran him the other day um, down at Fontwell and he um, he didn't really take cut of his fences. So we're slightly back to the drawing board with him, but we'll get him right. Talking of, of the uh, the Grand National fences, um, you're going to have to help me now because I forgot the name of the horse. But uh, he was going well, I thought, with uh, with Gavin on board. But it sort of tailed off a bit at the end. H- Hogan's height. That's it. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, I, yeah. I I thought he looked. You know, at, at one point he looked sort of well up in the race. Yeah, you're kind, Eddie. Thank you. Yeah, he's um uh, he's uh, he's been a been a wonderful wonderful horse for us. Having won that one over the Grand National fences, he was our first winner over them. Um, but he's uh, he's not getting any younger, um, and he's not getting any quicker. Um, so his best days are probably behind him, in fairness. But uh, yeah. he might he, he might go hunter chasing perhaps in the new year, where he can teach some of the younger guys uh, all about race riding. Good. Okay, then, uh, Jamie, that's a, that's a good uh, breakdown of all the runners over the weekend anyway, so our listeners will be able to pick something out of that, I'm sure. Uh, and we wouldn't want to hold you up with your uh, your date at Clarence House, I'm sure. So uh, I think I'd better let you go. Well, that was uh, Jamie Snowden there on his way to drinks at Clarence House. Now, that's what you call name-dropping, isn't it, eh? Drinks at Clarence House. Well, enjoy it, Jamie, and uh, thanks for joining us on the show again today. Well, next up, it's uh, it's Nick Schofield. I don't think he's on his way to Clarence House. He's just more interested in getting home to his bed, I think, having had a hard day uh, racing at uh, Lingfield, I think it was. Well, Nick, thanks for joining us on the show again. Uh, a winner, was it yesterday or the day before? Yes, I had a winner yesterday. been very busy with rides and six rides yesterday, so it's good to finish with a winner. And, um, yeah, it's a busy time of year, so, um, yeah, um, it's good, good, good time to be racing. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, how easy was the win? Was it? You know, was, I'm just looking here. Oh, th- three and three quarter lengths. So that's plenty, plenty in hand by the sound of it. Yeah, lovely novice of Alistair Ralphs uh, for the future. Um, he's still a young horse, but um, yeah, it looks to have plenty of potential. So um, yeah, no, it was really uh, horrendous weather yesterday. We yeah. I think all day I went through wind, rain. It was torrential, but um, we managed to finish the day off with a winner which makes it all a bit easier what was what's it like riding a horse when you're in that sort of conditions the wind and the rain i mean it must be pretty pretty foul i should think uh, to be honest uh, last saturday saturday just gone i was up at aintree and i had quite a lot of rides yeah i think they they recorded winds of 55 miles an hour across the track and i've got to say that's nearly the worst type of winds i've ridden in it was um we had rides over the national fences and the, the mild may fences and um yeah you had really had to sit tight when you got a gust of wind it was um it was it made things 
you know, very challenging for horse and rider. How do the horses react to it? I mean, do they do they sort of want to stop, as it were, or do they just... Well, some do, and some are brave, and, you know, it's just it's hard to explain when, you know, it's just mm. very tough conditions, and it's like humans, some can handle it better than others, but, um, you know, it's uh, you don't experience it that often, so, um, yeah, no, but it was certainly um, it was hard work last Saturday. Yeah, and uh, uh, how 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 well were you going on blackjack magic today before you fell? Uh, it's frustrating. I think he would have nearly won if not. He'd have definitely been second. He was just staying on to his best work at the end, and we just clipped the top of the hurdle and come down. But um, thankfully, the horse is fine, and I'm fine, and we live to fight another day. But. Um, yeah, that's job racing. Unfortunately, um, you have to jump to win, and we didn't today. Yeah, um, looking at the weekend, uh, well, Friday in particular. I haven't got much after Friday on my list here, but um, you're up at Bangor. Any any good rides up there? Yeah, five nice rides up there. Lots of chances. Um, they've all got their own chance, but hopefully one of them could go. And Alan King's horse looks probably my best chance on paper. So um, it won well last day, and don't say by the late Trevor Hemmings. He looks to have good form, and um, the Jane William horse sort of ran okay last time. Um, that's been running well, and Alistair Ralph horse is continuing great form. If we ride one or um, Henry Daly in the last, so we need a bit of luck along the way. But um, hopefully, we can give it a good go. And um, not sure which one will win, but hopefully, one of them or two will go in. So. And would you say that the, you know the going presumably is getting a little bit easier now because we've had a fair bit of rain one way and another? Is is that the case from the point yeah. from your point of view? Yeah, out country is soft, heavy ground everywhere. Sort of in the west country, it's still quite hasn't quite got in just yet. Like Wincanton, Exeter, Taunton, like the grounds are still relatively good. So um, the west country tracks are certainly a much drier than the northern tracks and the southern tracks, but. Yeah, like it's certainly getting into the ground now, which is good, and that's why there's plenty of runners and we're, yeah. we're very busy. So, good. Well, thanks, Nick, for joining us. It sounds like you're on your way home now from uh, Lingfield. So, uh, uh, good luck yeah. for tomorrow and the weekend, and uh, we'll speak to you next week if that's okay. Yeah, great to catch up, and thanks very much. No problem at all. Thanks, Nick. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Well, that was Nick Schofield there on his way back from Lingfield, and uh, he keeps popping up with these winners here and there, so he's doing okay for himself. Well, Gavin, thanks for joining us. Uh, you've been up at uh, Warwick today, and uh, you had a winner today, yeah? Yeah, I had a winner. Uh, one from Venetia Williams and uh, Andrew Brooks. Easy? He won well in the end, yeah. yeah. Um, jumped very well, and um, I, I actually thought it'd be short of his best trip, but no, he done it very well. And uh, what was the going like up there today? Because the weather's foul down here in Somerset. I don't know what it's like with you there. It was dry up there today, but um, the, the ground was soft. Uh, uh, well, that's not surprising, I suppose. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose generally the yeah. fact that it's coming back to uh, to a little bit uh, softer is going to help generally from, from a jumping point of view, isn't it? Yeah, much better self-ground. Yeah. Um, having a look at you've got a few booked rides over the weekend and I noticed the one that we, we did speak about last week Stag Horns running on Saturday yeah yeah tell um, us tell us a little bit more about that one the ride last week one yeah um, Stag Horn uh, obviously he, he was a good horse on the flat um, quite highly rated on the flat um, so he was around 100 on the flat but going jumping over hurdles they say you could nearly add another 40 pounds um, to that which puts him up to around 140 horse um, yeah. but he's 
been to Henry in the nights to do a bit of jumping there. Um, and uh, touch wood, he, he's been very good at home. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to him having his first run over hurdles for Archie Watson. And you've got actually one, two, three, four, five runners uh, on Saturday, um, all at Hereford. Um, any of the other ones look uh, look like they could win? Yeah, so I ride one for um, Har- Jamie Snowden called Hardy the Soul. Well. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He's a nice horse. He's been unlucky once or twice. Um, just with him coming down the last day, um, I got unseated off him at the second last at Marker Raising. He won the time before, and he fell at the first the time before that. So, um, yeah, look, he, he's a lovely horse. Um, he's got a, a horse. He's a horse with plenty of ability, but he's only a four year old, and um, yeah, he's just taking a little bit of time to warrant his jumping. Really, yeah, yeah. He's got a great jump in him. He just lacks that little bit of focus. Well, that was Gavin Sheehan there on his way back from Warwick with a winner and uh, under his cap. So that will be a good day from his point of view. Now it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson at Harlequin Racing. Evening, David. What have you got for us this week then? Cheltenham, I take it, yeah? Are you ready? Yeah, we we're going to have a look through the Cheltenham card on Saturday, uh, the pre-Christmas card. And uh, obviously a lot of people trying to get the good horses out and uh, see how they go well before the March festival comes up. And uh, we're going to start the weekend off with the 12.05 race at Cheltenham Saturday. And the horse we like here is Patient Dream. Now, at the moment, he's priced up at 11 to 2 with heels. Now, if you can get a bet on with heels at 11 to 2, I think you're going to find a lot of value in this fella. Yeah. Uh, three places, fifth of the odds. Uh, Craig Nichols riding and Oliver Greenway trains him. Now, this fella was a, a winner on the flat for Ralph Beckett, and he had a handicap mark wins of 86, 83, and 76, and he also won a novice stakes for Ralph Beckett. Now, his first run for Oliver Greenwood, and he came second to a horse called Sky Cutter. Now, I rate Sky Cutter very high in her hand, handicap rating there. Now, that was a, a Weatherby. Now, Sky Cutter's an 88-rated flat runner, which, as you know, we, we add on 40 for the flat performance to the hurdles performance. That makes a 1 to 8 handicap sort of rating. And uh, Skyrunners now, Skycutter's got uh, two wins from two over hurdles, performed well in listed company on the flat in France. And the horse that he run well behind, that's bad. There's also come out run well in a group three on the flat there. So we think Patience Dream's going to have a very, very, very big chance in the first race at Cheltenham on Saturday there. And 11 to 2 each way is tremendous value. You want to get your bets on quick because I very much doubt it's going to hold that price very long. So uh, 11 to 2 each way on Patience Dream in the first at Cheltenham there. Very, very strong advice to have that each way bet there. Okay. So we'll, uh, Take that on board. Move down. We'll move down to the 12.40, and the horse we like here is Mike Drogo. Harry and Dan Skelton take the ride and the trainer's positions in this one. Now, this is a fella, I don't know if you remember it, a couple of weeks ago, that Rachel Blackmore and Harry Skelton both fell at the second-to-last fence at Cheltenham. And Rachel Blackmore managed to stay aboard her fella, which was called Gin on Lime, and Harry actually fell off at Mike Drogo, uh, Rachel actually got up and she cleared the last and won in a, it was a two horse race between the two of them and uh, they both fell at the final fence 
Now, my Drogo, I think, is going to come on a lot for that run and uh, be a lot more better. But a price up at around about 1-3 to three is not a sort of bet we'd have. And obviously, because he fell last time out, it's not a professional bet we'd have either. But we think my Drogo is going to win that 12-40 race. And as I say, it was one of them uh, question of sport questions. Uh, what happened next as the two of them approached that final fence and they both fell at it? It's just one of them uh, scenarios there, but... Yeah, we shall see, yeah. but we we think my Drogo is going to win that race there. Right, yeah. Moving down to the one fifteen, we can't split two of them in this race, and uh, actually, good good guy, hey, with uh, more brothers and uh, more father, and Amalula Gold of uh, Skeltons. We think one's going to come between them two. Now. As a professional outfit, and we bet professionally, one of them is priced up 11 to 4, and one of them is priced up at 7 to 2. We're going to be betting the two of them to win the race at even money. Now, it doesn't matter which one even either wins, for, wins the race for us. We're going to be having a bet on the two of them combined at even money. And we don't think there's another horse in the race that can compete with the two of them. That's the BA and Amalula Gold. Obviously, one's the Moors and one's the Skeltons, and we think it, this is a race where it's well worth getting involved, having a better even money combined the two horses there. So, the 115 at Cheltenham, Etta de, de Gaillet and Amaluna Gold combined at a price of even money. Wow. And then to the 150 at Cheltenham, uh, the horse that we like here is uh, Venetia Williams trained Rachel Blackmore ridden Sarine. And uh, this fellow is uh, one that's run very well late, lately. And uh, the jockey booking is very, very obvious to our opinion that Venetia Williams likes likes the chances of Farinay here. And obviously with Rachel Backmore taking the ride after she uh, normally rides for Henry de Bromhead out in Ireland. Now, this fellow won last time out of the Class 1 listed race and won by six and a half lengths and... Uh, well above a handicap of one two five, and uh, as I say, the jockey booking just absolutely stands out out to, out to me. So uh, the one fifty at Cheltenham on Saturday, we're going with Farinay and Rachel Blackmore and Venetia Williams in that one. Okay. Moving down to the two twenty five race, uh, a horse that we backed last time out comes second over course and distance. Uh, Jolino Bellio for Harry Cobden and Paul Nichols. Third in, in the big bumper races, we're calling it a Nubri nowadays. Obviously, the form of the, of the horses in that race is standing up very, very well. This fella come out and won very well over Aintree and, as I said, come second to uh, a very nice type in uh, Bla- Blazing Kyle, or however you pronounce his name. And, uh, obviously, the, the big issue in this one is uh, stepping up to three miles from what Jolino Bellio uh, ran last time. We think it's going to be no issues whatsoever, and uh, we're certainly going to stick with our selection, Jolino Bellio, from uh, last time that we had the Cheltenham races and see how she goes in this one now. Moving now to the 3 o'clock, the big race of the day, uh, So Royal. Been very, very consistent last year, from this year, sorry. Two wins from three, uh, beating a length and a half in the flying five up at Newcastle last time out. Three to one in this race with uh, Bet365, and uh, we shall see how it goes. It's a, it's a race that 
the protagonists in this, uh, we, we seem to go head-to-head week in, week out when uh, the big two miners are on. And uh, this fella's won quite a few of them recently. And uh, as I say, this year he's won one, two from three. And uh, we're going to be sticking with him this time. So Royal in three o'clock. Right. Moving down to the last race on the card at Cheltenham for Saturday. A horse that we, we, we had a very, very big bet on last time it ran up at Huntington, Trapista. And uh, this is one that we really like the looks of, and it's in the famous green and gold colours of, G, of uh, J.P. McManus and uh, trained by John Joe O'Neill, which is a very, very big combination. And uh, this filly was listed grade three type on the flat over in France. She come over and she had a first uh, debut run on the flat uh, over the hurdles at Huntingdon, and she absolutely bolted up. If you see the race, she she won as she wanted, and uh, she she's she's got the same level of form out in France, and she's got the the ability to do it on the flat with, with flat types as well. So we're going to be going with Trapista in the three thirty five there at Cheltenham, and she's going to be out in that bet of the day and. Uh, we we tried to back this fully mayor uh, in uh, all of the big races for the mayors at Cheltenham Festival in March, and unfortunately, Bet Three Six Five seemed to have uh, how do you say bottled it? <laughs> they wouldn't lay us the bet. <laughs> so right. We had to, we we had to stick and twist on uh, what we knew before the Huntingdon race, and uh, we really think that Trapeze is going to be one of the showpiece. Uh, Articles come a festival for J.P. McManus, and as I say, we tried and just tried to get bets before the Huntington race to get on us for the Cheltenham Festival, and uh, none of the bookmakers were brave enough to lay us even a 10 pence bet. So uh, we shall see what happens this weekend, coming when she runs in uh, 3.35 up at Cheltenham on uh, Saturday. So uh, we'll see where she gets on from there. Okay. Uh, Hopefully out of that lot, we'll uh, have a few winners for you, mate. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Okay, then, Dave. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh, look after yourself, and we'll speak to you next week. Well, now it's time to catch up with our friends up at Bresbeck with all their special offers for the week. Right. Good afternoon. Um, tomorrow we see the Racing Post Gold Cup at Cheltenham. Um, 15 runner handicap this year. Bit of a small field compared to some years, which is a bit disappointing. But we've decided that we're going to pay four places instead of three on the big race. Uh, Laywell heads the market at 9-2. to two. And there are several selections that are under 10 to 1. It's a really wide open race and, and, and one to get your teeth stuck into with four places, I think. Yeah. And yeah. we're also running a, a really big offer tomorrow that we've actually run today at Cheltenham as well. Okay. The offer is bet £20 and get a £10 free bet if your horse finishes second. All right, yeah. That applies to every race at Cheltenham um, today and tomorrow. Okay. Only if there are six or more runners. And where can we find all these offers, Sam? Are they on the uh, on the website? Yep, so the bet 20 get 10, it won't be under a uh, banner or anything. You just simply go into the race book, place your £20 on that race. It only applies to your first bet on that race. Yeah. If your horse finishes second, you'll get £10 back as a free bet, providing there are six or more runners. Okay, fine. That's lovely. And uh, the, yeah. the other one, the, the Cheltenham ones, are they up there as well? Yep. Prices won't be live until tomorrow for the Racing Post Gold Cup on site, but we will be paying four places instead of three. And uh, we've got a big, big fixture list on the football. Plenty of other sports to be going at the the offers page. The Bresbet Boost will be populated all day with some really nice multis on there at nice prices. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Sam. That's fine. I'm sure the three valleys nisses will go piling into that one. <laughs> Good one. Thank you.
Thank you. Cheers for now. Bye bye. There we go then. That's Bresbet's offers for this week. So if you want to follow those up, and there's loads of offers on their website, you need to go to www.bresbet.com. Well, now it's time to catch up with our old mate, the cheeky chappy. Yeah, it's Colin Brown time. Well, good evening, Colin. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Good. We're getting a bit of rain. That's what uh, we need. And people probably think, God, what's he mad or something? But basically, you know, it's been very dry and we need the ground to be natural, uh, you know, soft to maybe heavy or soft ground uh, because that's what natural rain does. When you keep watering, you know, you can't get it as even. So a few horses have been pulled out over the last few weeks. But um, a bit of natural rain, that's what we're getting and I think we're doing okay. That's okay then, good. So, Hereford first then, eh? I think we'll start at Hereford on Saturday, old boy. Okay, um, yeah. Not a bad bit of racing there, to be honest. And uh, the first race on the card is a condition of jockey's handicap chase. And I think Revels Hill can win for Harry Fry. Um, Revels Hill, uh, it was a winner last season, and it was decent fourth the other day. And I reckon Revels Hill will take... A little bit of beating, and that's in our first race at Hereford, which is at 12-12. Do you think um, uh, Harry Fry's horses don't seem to be running very well at the moment, especially, do you remember last week we had Meltier or whatever it was, well, he went out like a light, didn't yeah. he? he so, yeah, you know, he has had a couple of run a bit rubbish, to be honest, and uh, Boot Hill, we expect. Yeah, Boot Hill, that was another uh, one. Yeah, no, you're right. You are right. But um, I think... Um, yeah, he did have a winner last Saturday as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's hard. Do you know, I wouldn't want to be a racehorse trainer. You take all the stick. It's so difficult, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. I think you I would have backed right. Ebony Gold in, uh, Gale in this race. He's got good form, and it's by Philip Hobbs. But still, I'm just chucking that in to sort of wind you up, if you like. Yeah, no, no, I think you're probably right. Started winning off 113 and... Um, yeah, it's won a couple of races. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the biggest surprise. Let's go for that then, Ebony Gale, along with the one horse, and we'll put them in a reverse exact. I mean, if they're first and second in either order, right? Okay, on to the next one. Right, on to the next one. Well, a very nice horse called World of Dreams runs here. He's trained by Honeyball. Um, owned partly by Ron Huggins, who uh, who's had some good horses over the years, very good horses over the years, and um, this just keeps winning. It was fifth in Apples Hill, which all the forms worked out quite well. It's a winner at Hereford of a bumper race, a national flat race, and then it easily won at um, football the other day, and I'd say that is the horse they've all got to beat, but very interesting ex-flat horse hits the scenes here rated 103 won at Pontefract the conditions raised the Phil Bull, Bull trophy Phil Bull of course was the um, headed up time form all those years ago and it's called Stag Horn wouldn't be the biggest surprise if this um, has been well schooled and um, and shouldn't be probably too far away I, I, I did sort of quite fancy this one and he's got some very good flat form so I think that's the one too um, that's uh, a horse called where are we let's get back to the race that's a horse called World of Dreams and Staghorn in the um, 12 
47 at Hereford. Well, I'll tell you something, the last person I spoke to on the phone, no, the last but one person, was none other than somebody called Gavin Sheehan, who just happens uh-huh. to be riding Staghorn tomorrow. And he is very confident that he's on a winner there. Very confident. Well, so I think he could easily be. Yeah, no, no, I, I wouldn't, uh, well, I wouldn't put it past um, him if, if that, if that one, it really, really wouldn't. So, mm. yeah, no, it's a good little race. One fifty-seven horse called Chitabello, I think, could win here. Now, there's a really nice flight lad called Tristan Durrell. He's ridden a couple of winners for Skelton. And, uh, excuse me, he is um, a good value for a seven-pound claim. Chidabello, I mean, he won the county hurdle a couple of years ago. They dropped him three pounds for finishing seventh. Uh, but anyhow, it won the county hurdle at Cheltenham. It's not a bad horse. Dropped three pounds and it's got him on the taking seven off. So it's ten pound lower, if you like. So I think Chidabello right. can win there. Chidabello. Okay. Shit. Right. Bello. Right. Uh, anything else at Hereford? I don't think so. There's nothing else I really fancy there. I'll be really honest with you. Well, I tell you um, what, listeners, listen to Uncle Lady Hardy de Sul, also written by a certain Gavin Sheehan, and he's very confident about that one as well. So what time is that? That's oh, in the two thirty-two. Oh well, yeah. Take notice, take notice. He's trained by Jamie Snowden, and he's always spoken well of this particular horse. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's going to win, but I think it's got a chance. Yeah, no, no, I think you're absolutely right. So, best of luck there. Right. Um, Where should we go now? I think we're off to Doncaster, aren't we? Yeah, Doncaster. Oh, gosh, there's a lot of races up there. Well, seven. Yeah. Starts at 11.50. Um, you have been to Doncaster? Uh, been to the football ground, yes, but not the race course. Oh, have you? Which is right next to, well, it used to be ground, right, which is right. Yeah, right next door to it, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah. I remember that, but it's now, I don't know what it is now, Houston State or something. Yeah, I don't know where they play now, I really don't. Oh, they play in the Keep, wonder... Keep Moat. It's called Keep Moat Stadium. Where? Brand new one. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, anyway, I digress, or you digress. 11.55, are we starting with? Yeah, we'll start there with 11.55. I wonder if Mary's been to... uh wonder if Mary's have been to Doncaster Rovers football ground. I don't know. You best yeah, ask her. I don't her. think she has. Hmm. I bet I was ringing her the weekend. I don't think she's a great football fan, but she's a great fan of yours, you know? Well, you keep saying that, so the sooner we meet, the better, I reckon. I reckon you're right. We better get her on the radio in the new year, don't you? Think well, you 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 keep threatening to do that, but you haven't done it yet. Right, Mary, we're going to get you on the radio, 2022. Let's get into sort of February, and um, you know, looking forward towards the Cheltenham Festival and see what our fancies might be. Should we do that? Yeah, we'll do that. No problem. Right. We're okay. Westwood Rider. I've got that then. Yeah, I think that can win there. Right. Um, yeah, a good old race up at Donny. Normally, you get quite good ground up there if you like. But uh, yeah, phew, I, don't, I don't. I don't really know what it would be. I mean, you know, maybe they've had a rain for a while and uh, it needs to soak into the ground a bit. Uh, anyhow, um, good old racing. Phew. 
there's um, a horse running there in the 12.55 called Three Under Five. No, it's called Three Under Through Five. But a Paul Nichols is eight to 13 on it. Should win. Um, horse called Emma Tom runs here, which I always thought was a really good horse. And it just got beaten on this chase. Gavin Sheehan rode it. Uh, he normally rides at these at Hereford. Um, and that runs in the race as well. That was second at Hexham the other day on its debut. But the horse that beat it actually got beaten at Kelso next time out. So I often look, this as if you're looking at the form, maybe a bit new to racing, or if you're, you know, looking through. I always look to see where, if someone finishes second or third horse, I always look through to see where that horse finished next time if it's run. And if it gets well beaten, I often think, hmm, yeah. I'm not sure about that one. Anyhow, I tell you what I think will win at Donny in the 130s. A horse called Shantu Sunset. Yep, I think that's got a right good chance of winning. It was a good, it wasn't Newton Abbott, it was a good um, uh, third <coughs> at uh, Ascot the other day. And I think it'll take a bit of beating. That's Philip Hobbs' Shantu Sunset. Radio, got that. Got that right. Um, as we move on through Doncaster, there's uh, a handicap hurdle at uh, two oh five. Quite competitive. Not quite sure what's going to win that one. But in the two forty, there's a horse that I think can win here, and it's called Mag- uh, Porticello. And it's trained by. Um, Gary Moore and it won at Weatherby in October it won at Otoy beating another one of today's runners Magistrato that was at Otoy in a conditions race I think this one's pretty smart um, I think what beats it will win so it's called Port Isello and that's the one that I fancy uh, in the 240 at Doncaster the last race at Donny the 315 is a handicap chase not the sort of race that you want to finish up on I always think when you're a rider you don't want to finish up in a little hurdle race the last race that I'm doing long old handicap chase but there we go um, what wins it well there's a horse in the race that's quite well handicapped I think possibly finished eighth in the Grand National last time out um, and it's ridden by a very good rider called uh, Sam Twist, uh, Sam Whaley Cohen and it's called Jet Number Two. I'd give it an each way chance to finish in the first two here at um, at Donny in the last race. Okay, fine. Right, let's get to Cheltenham. Indeed, let's get there. Cheltenham. Let's get uh, to Cheltenham. Uh, hang on. Now, at Cheltenham, uh, give the boy a chance to get there. Right, and we're at twelve oh five. Okay, fire away. Right, twelve oh five. Cricket early race. Yes, right. Fire away. Here we go, 12.05. Right, 12.05 is the JCB Triumph Trial. I won this race actually a few years ago. Long time ago, actually, on a horse called Gopher. Yeah. Uh, to win the Hennessy Gold Cup. <laughs> right, it's... um And the JCB Triumph Hurdle Trial, um, there's a horse... There's two horses in the race that I really like, actually. Uh, they're, and they're both winners. One's called Message Personal. It won at Dieppe last time out in France, owned by John Hells. The other one's uh, actually not a winner, but it's called York Sea. 
I could see that running well. Do you know, this has got a bit of form in France that won a flat race at Angers, and it was third King's Salute here. Not a bad horse, actually, of um, Norton Harris's. And it was a good run that day. Magistrata was second. After a fortune, I say. This came from a long way back at a big price. Could easily win today. Have a look at it. York Sea, um, I reckon, can win the 12.05 at Cheltenham. Okay. Right, the uh, 12.40 at Cheltenham. It's slightly disappointing, you know, they have to say my Drogo. I thought it would be absolutely cantering and pick the second last and go away and win. But him <clears throat> and... Um, a horse called uh, Gin on Lime. He nearly fell, but got up again. Rachel Blackmore stuck with him, and he went on to win a two-horse race. But I'm going to go my Drogo. I surely be intensively scored since, um, and he thinks this is a very serious horse. Uh, that's uh, Skelton. So my Drogo to win the 12:40. On to the Simon Clay handicap chase. Well. Guy called Simon Place, he was the clerk of the course at John for many, many years, and he did a great job. He's now moved on to uh, other pastures, and a good guy called John Pullen has taken over, and, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens here. But um, I think a horse called Editor de Giet could win his race. He is a winner. He beat Stolen Silver. Um... Be it moaning by neck last time out here, 140. He went up seven pounds that day, but Houlihan rode him that day. He took off five, so he takes off five today. I think he will take the beating. Editor, editor Dejit uh, at Cheltenham in the 115. The 150 there is the Racing Post Gold Cup handicap chase and Layla runs in the race. He ran quite a good race in the Paddy Power, didn't he? But he was uh, a bit like Shadow. Protectorat came out and Frank the form by winning a grade two at Aintree next time out. So the form, you know, you have to say the form is blooming good. Dostal Phil was fourth, not without a chance. Um, other horses in the race, well, Midnight Shadow beat them all that day from the Sue Smith table, but he's crept up in the weights. Um, the horse that I think looks quite interesting in that race is a horse that was six. horse called Zanza, trained by Philip Hobbs. He's won five of his 20 races. He's not, you know, a couple of times he's run a bit rubbish, but he's a horse that I think is a bit of an improver. And um, if things go right for him, I think he might win. 150, Zanza in the uh, Cheltenham. Right, we've got the Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle. It's a bit of a trial race for the Albert Bartlett, you know, here in March. Um, what wins it? Gosh, it looks pretty competitive. But the Irish have brought one over called Blazing Carl. It's around about six to five. And that beat Gilino Bello last time. Now, it hacked up, so I would think it would take the beating. That's Blazing Carl in the 225. Right. Three o'clock. Uh, three o'clock is the international hurdle, and uh, So Royale's been running well. Was third um, a couple of weeks ago, and the fighting fifth. Song for someone else that likes the track. Bally Adam from Rachel Blackmore rides this for Harry Bromhead. Probably not 
without a chance being four lengths at Nevin last time out before that it fell at punches down before that it was fourth but quite well beaten behind my Drogo so it looks a pretty competitive race we have a couple of Irish runners heaven help us being the other one so I don't know what wins it I think probably probably um old So Royale loves the track Elton King's also in great form he's run at 11 to 4 so that's my selection for the 3 o'clock at Cheltenham on Saturday So Royale the last race is a Mare's Handicap Hurdle well there's quite a nice horse called Trapeza Trapista that um, beat uh, Hawker de Derry which actually probably would have won that day but since then, Hawker de Derry's been really disappointed, but it was uh, in um, in bad ground at Fontwell. Um, so I don't know. Let's uh, have a look at the rest of them. Indefatigable has got very, very good form from the Paul Weber yard. Martello Sky, not a bad horse either. So it looks a pretty competitive little race. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit on the fence for the last race at Cheltenham. Listeners, you have to pick your own selection for the last, I'm afraid. But um, it looks a bit of fun. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed, Colin. I'll, I'll give, I'm going to chuck one in here because, uh, as you know, Jamie Snowden comes on the, on the show regularly. Yeah. And he thinks an awful lot of Anything for Love. So I would suggest that Anything for Love might well be the one to get on. That's the one to be on, I would say, then. Boom, boom. Go for it. But I'm only going by what the trader says, and but I'm sure Jamie's right. He's, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, no, he's, he does. He's very keen. He's good, good, good judge, Jamie is. Yeah. Um, so I would take notice of him, as they say. Okay then, Colin. Well, that's uh, that's a fair few horses there. Let's hope there's a few winners amongst them. Cool. Yeah, we have got uh, come up with a fair few horses. Oh, I think they'll probably all win. Oh well, that'd be great if they do. You had three last week, by the way. Oh, that's not so good, is it really? Uh, 11 to 8, 9 to 1, and 11 to 10. Oh, 9 to 1 is okay. Hmm. And you had one, two, you had three seconds as well. Oh. So you were close. You know what? Yeah, trainers, trainers and jockeys always say, oh, all those seconds have been winners. It would be someday. So, yeah. yeah. So, oh, well. Yeah, and it's, then they get beat. No, that's right, and it's tipping down with rain. It's not the best of uh, things to do, is it, really? But it's there we not go. a lot of fun, is it, really? No. A lot, lot of fun. Mary, go careful on your bike tomorrow. OK, then, Colin. Well, thanks for that, mate, and we will no doubt uh, speak next week. We certainly will. Good to speak to you. Well done. Take care. So there he was, the chiefy chappy himself, Colin Brown, with all his tips for the weekend. And now we're going to catch up with Simon Holt, which is a bit of a bonus for us because he doesn't usually come on two weeks on the trot. So hello there, Simon. Yes, well, the big race at uh, Cheltenham tomorrow is the Racing Post Gold Cup handicap chase, the December Gold Cup, and uh, it's... Uh, a very competitive field and features the Paddy Power Gold Cup winner, Midnight Shadow, who battled well to hold off Protectorate up the hill last month. And obviously Protectorate's really boosted that four major because he was such an impressive winner at Aintree last Saturday. Yeah. And in third place was Layla, who's now with Paul Nichols, and Paul's putting the cheap pieces on him. Um, so he's like likely to run well. But I've got a fancy for a horse called Silver Hallmark, who's ridden by Nico de Boinville, trained by Fergal O'Brien. And this horse was very promising, I thought, in two starts over fences last season. And he reappeared 
in the Colin Parker chase at Carlisle. And that form of that race has been working out splendidly. Fiddler on the roof won it for the Tizards. And, of course, he ran a fantastic race next time out in the Labrooks Trophy. Pay the Piper has won again just this week. And one horse that didn't quite get round that day, an unseated rider at the second last and still holding a chance, was a Hoy Senor who bolted up next time at Newbury. Now, Silver Silver Hallmark was fourth in that race, and he had an impossible task at the weights. He was giving weight away all round to some higher-rated horses. And with Fiddler on the roof, now rated about £11 higher, Silver Hallmark didn't run at all badly in fourth place there. And he's been left on his same rating, and uh, I think he has the look of quite a well-handicapped horse in the Racing Post Gold Cup. A little bit of a question, perhaps, about the ground. Seems to be drying up a bit at Cheltenham. Uh, I don't know about... um, the, the ground particularly for Silver Hallmark, though the time at Carlisle was very fast. It, it, they beat Standard by nearly two seconds, which suggests to me that the ground at Carlisle that day was nearer good than soft. So uh, I think he's an interesting one in the Racing Post Gold Cup at Cheltenham on Saturday. And the other big race is the Unibet International Hurdle, Grade 2 race, bit of a trial here for the champion hurdle. It was one last year by Song for Someone, who goes again. I think he's going to go well. He was beaten by Buzz on his reappearance at Ascot, but Buzz has been a very progressive horse, and it was over a trip that Buzz is very effective at, and Song for Someone was trying to give him weight. He had a very hard task indeed, and I think that will set him up absolutely perfectly for this race again. He had So Royal, who reapposes back in fourth place 12 months ago. The ground was a bit softer then, Faster ground will suit so royal, who's been in very good form lately. But I just think over the extended two miles, it's nearly two miles and a furlong, that Song for Someone might be the slightly stronger stayer. So I reckon Song for Someone there, Aidan Coleman for trainer Tom Simmons. Okay, anything else at Cheltenham that catches your eye? Well, there's a very good um, handicap chase earlier on, which features a Moolah Gold, who's run two smashing races for the Skeletons this year, uh, winning in dramatic fashion at Ascot first time out in the very last stride, and then failing by a short head to win in the very last stride on a return visit. So he's in good form, but I just wonder if he's quite as good at Cheltenham. He he seems to go very well at Ascot. Uh, He did run at the festival back in March and, and didn't really figure, didn't run his best. You've got Editor de Gite, who won at the last meeting. He's a flamboyant horse, horse that jumps very well, only probably just gets the trip. Uh, the good ground, or the dryish ground, will suit him again, though he has gone up in the handicap. And a horse I really like is called Cheddleton, trained by Jenny Candlish. Uh, this is a horse that's going to win races over fences. He's got some good form. He's a really tough, genuine sort of horse. He was third at Carlisle first time out behind uh, the Tizard's Warlord and Manella Drama. Pretty good run. I think he'll come on for it. Just a question whether the ground might be a bit quick for him. But uh, I think Cheddleton is certainly one to keep an eye on. Uh, win or lose in that 115 race at Cheltenham tomorrow. Okay, Simon, thank you very much for that. Now, it's, it's been a, a, a bit of a um, difficult week for racing with this uh, disciplinary action taking place up at the British Horse Racing Authority. What it, what's your take on it? Because it's not exactly left a very nice taste in people's mouths, has it? Well, it was extraordinary that it, it 
came to this point, I think, and it ended up, of course, I actually watched it. There was an item on the BBC News, you know, mm. that really doesn't show racing off in a good light, and it became very big news, and that was unfortunate. But I think that um, we've got to move on from some of the old-fashioned attitudes in the weighing room where if there is a is a bad, bit of bad blood, that it, it, it stays within the weighing room. And, and I think that if Robbie Dunn made those uh, remarks and uh, did what he was accused of doing and the panel has found that he did that that was pretty unacceptable behavior it's fascinating that nobody has really corroborated the story but the panel have taken Bryony Frost's evidence on trust and uh, she was obviously very upset and she's been ostracized by the other jockeys which is a great shame I say other jockeys not all I, I noticed that um, se several of the jockeys were talking to her at, uh, I was at Fontwell in the week Jamie Moore is a, is a lovely guy he was um, talking to Bryony Frost um, down at the start on a couple of occasions so it's not like she's been completely sent to Coventry but uh, and the other aspect of it is, of course, that she's a really good jockey. It's not mm. just that she's just not a, you know, we wouldn't call her a female jockey. She's just a really good jockey. She's got a lovely seat. She doesn't use the whip too much. She gets horses jumping. And uh, she's got a very sunny personality, which is comes across very well on television. Mm. And if you were at Sandown, I was at Sandown last Saturday when she won the Tingle Creek chase. Uh, on grenatine and the reception she got was quite outstanding quite exceptional really so my sympathies um taking on trust that um that robbie dunn said those things uh, did what he was accused of have been with Bryony frost but i do think there's a problem that should be now taken forward because i don't understand in this day and age why female jockeys have to go into the male changing room at any any leisure club, any health club, swimming pool, there's always either separate changing facilities or cubicles. Yeah. And it, it seems extraordinary that the, the, the female jockeys haven't got their own facilities. That means a, a trial scale. It means their own showers. And it means access to food as well in their own changing room. And that is something that's got to change. Funny you should bring that up because I was about to say that that you know surely the onus is on the the race courses or the or the BHA to get that sort of facility available to the lady jockeys because you know it's it's obvious isn't it where else would it you know get it in football that's no. for sure so you know well it should have been done years ago mm. AD I mean yeah. you know the BHA should have should have um, made this um, race courses are licensed by the the regulator and the BHA should have told them they've got to improve their facilities yeah. to uh, cater for an increasing number of female jockeys yeah and uh, they deserve every bit as good facilities as the men and there's no real um, reason these days and it's it's just not really as appropriate i think as maybe in the past for a female jockey to walk walk into a male changing room where there are bound to be lots and lots of naked men and and you know when when they stand on the trial scales you mm. know a jockey has to be absolutely sure how what he's weighing so he's not wearing any clothes so yeah, i just yeah. don't think it's appropriate these days and uh, i think if if one good thing has come out of this case it's possibly that um the the women's the female changing facilities will improve absolutely well thanks for that simon and, and obviously thanks for joining us again this week there's a bonus this week get you two weeks on the trot i love it <laughs> so uh we'll, we'll no doubt be speaking to you again soon but thanks very much for today and uh, have a good weekend and we'll speak to you soon
Well, I'm afraid time has caught up with us, so uh, we've reached the end of the show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the contents, and you'll join us again next week at 7 o'clock here on Three Valleys Radio. Mm-hmm.